This is typically when I ask how everyone is doing, but for the first time in 11 years, this room is completely empty. So I hope that you're doing the best you can, uh, regardless of all the circumstances that are happening in the world around us. And if you're watching this right now, uh, this is uncharted waters for our church. This is very different for me. I've never preached the Word of God to a, a camera like this looking in one direction, but here we are, we're doing the best we can, and I hope that uh, it can still be a blessing to you and that we can still work through the Word of God and, and uh, our lives be touched by it. I know we can. So here's what we're going to do a little bit today. One of our big focuses uh, for as long as we have to do it the way we're doing it right now is to keep things as normal as possible. Um, you know, it's interesting how easily we take things for granted and, and Quite possibly, maybe the greatest lesson in this time uh, when we're having to stay home and we're having to kind of shut ourselves down from, from virtually everything is maybe this will bring us back to where we appreciate the small things that we haven't appreciated in the past, or maybe we've, we've just been so distracted or so busy that we, we don't think about those things as much anymore. Let me, let me give you an example, or let me tell you what I'm talking about, and I'll use me because my hope is, is that even though we're doing this differently and there's not people in these seats in here today, I don't want to cut back on the authenticity or, or the realness of, of, of the church and, and what has made this church really special. So I'll just tell you about me a little bit. This week, uh, you know, we've had a 24-7 prayer chain that's been going on. And I made the mistake, I got on there right after we posted that thing and I said, well, let me see where people haven't filled in and you know, it's always like the one to three in the morning block. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And so I signed up for all these one to three a.m. blocks. And, and um, that's taken some getting used to. I probably have some bags under my eyes right now. But I was in here the other day and I was up here on the front, uh, on the front couple of seats. And I had prayed a little bit and I'd read my Bible for a little bit. And I'd been here maybe, I don't know, hour and 45 minutes or something like that. I just started to walk around this room, and I started looking around the room, and, and, and listen, I know the church is not a building. I know that. I have been preaching that for 11 years. I know that the church is not a building. But as I looked around, and as I, I walked by the seats, and I just sat in this room when there might have only been two or three other people in the room with me at that time praying, and I was just so appreciative of this place. I'm appreciative of a sanctuary, and again, I know there's nothing special about this place, but there is something special when a large group of people get together and they all worship together and they all take communion together and they all break open their Bibles and they study the Word of God together. So I'll tell you what God's doing to me. God is bringing me back and He's reminding me of just how amazing and just how wonderful the church is. How amazing and how wonderful it is to come together at least once a week and for all of us to sing songs and celebrate our faith in Him. So all that being said, I, I long to do that again. Now, until, that, until we can do that, until that happens, we're going to do this. And the gospel is still going to go out. People's lives are still going to get touched. At the end of this, we're still going to take communion together, hopefully in your home, and then I'm going to take it up here. And I don't get to take communion as much as I, was li as I would like, so I'm actually excited about that. So I get to do that, and we're just going to move forward. Listen, the gates of hell will not prevail. They will not push back. God's church. So we're going to be okay. We're going to move forward and we're going to keep going through the book of Matthew and keep learning about what Christ taught us 
and what's going on and how he wants us to handle things that are happening even today. You're going to be shocked today at how relevant and how pertinent the second half of Matthew chapter 6 is going to be in light of everything that's going on in our world. So before I get into that, though, let me tell you a little bit about last week and what we talked about. Last week when we were in here, and I know a lot of people could not make it into the building, but a lot of people watched it online, we talked about what or who is the main focus. What is the main focus of our life and who is the main focus of our life? That was in the first half of Matthew chapter 6, okay? Now in the second half, again, and if you watch this, as I was studying it and reading it last night and I had got done with this on Monday, read through it a couple of times, you're going to be blown away by how the Bible falls perfectly into our situation this week. We're going to talk about simply this, that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about greed today. We're going to talk about anxiety today. And we're going to talk about trusting God above all things, okay? So there should be notes on our app. There should be notes online. It's sometime during this message, there's going to be a link that you can click on to get different resources and different notes and things like that. And so all that will be made available somewhere in the link for this video. And also at the end of service, we're going to be having communion together. And again, guys, we're just playing this out week by week and seeing what happens. But please don't get overwhelmed. Please don't get worried. God is going to really share with us a lot from his word today. That's going to be very, very helpful. Okay, so let me pray. I'm going to get into the Word, and um, we'll see what happens, okay? Father, Lord, I love you so much right now, God. God, you have brought me, Corey, Lord, back to a place of humility. You have brought me to a place, God, of just dependence on you. Father, I, my prayer, Lord, is that, that everyone that's watching right now, God, and and from, from no matter what church they're from or whatever pastor they may be watching, I just pray, Lord, that we can all go back to you, Lord, that we can seek first the kingdom of God, that first and foremost our answers come from you, Lord, not world systems, not world leaders. God, you are the one who is in charge, who is sovereign, who knows and sees all. Father, we want to pray for every single church, Lord, not just in our community like I normally pray for, I want to pray for every believer, God, in the world right now. I want to pray for every non-believer in the world right now. God, that you would maybe spark an interest in something greater than just this world in non-believers during this time, and that maybe, Lord, possibly, God, by your grace, a lot of people can come to faith in you during this time. Lord, however this shakes down, Lord, we pray that you're glorified. We pray, God, that your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven, Father. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We lift you up. We pray all these things in your son's name, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read a little bit. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. We're going to read two different parts. The second one's a little bit long, so bear with me, okay? But the first one's a little bit shorter. Here we go. Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, 
your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, there's a lot going on here. Here's what we're doing, though. Just like the first half of chapter 6, the second half of chapter 6 is going to talk about priorities. In the first half of chapter 6, Jesus told us how we should be giving, how we pray, and how we fast. Now Jesus is going to tell us how we should look at the material world, possessions, money, things like that, right? Things that we can touch and feel and things that the world finds to be the most sought after things. So the end of chapter six is going to touch on two main principles and it's going to hit real close to home. The first one is greed and the second one is anxiety. Now these two things, oddly enough, are very closely related because both of these things, greed and anxiety, show a lack of trust in God. So these things are kind of cousins of each other, if you will, okay? Another thing we're going to be talking about is the difference between something that is permanent and something that is temporary. Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth because material possessions can be lost. They can be stolen. They can be taken from you. And so we don't put all of our eggs in the material basket, if you will. Now, does that mean that it's wrong for you to own things? No, of course it's not wrong for you to own things. It's okay for you to buy a nice house. It's okay for you to drive a car. It's okay for you to buy clothes, right? It's a good thing to have clothes. But what this means is at the end of the day, our fulfillment, our security cannot be found in things that are temporary. We have to find our joy, our contentment, our fulfillment, our value, our purpose And something that is greater than the temporary, it has to be in something that is permanent. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So we have to change what we long for. The believer in Christ should be longing for eternity. We should be longing for him. But all of us, right? All of us, me, all of you watching, it is so easy to get sucked into the temporary, right? to worry so much about what we have and what we don't have in this life and the pursuits of the world. But again, like I said before, it's okay to enjoy this life. If you were with us when we did the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon in the Old Testament, man, he really paints a very broad picture. This guy had everything. And he talked about how having everything did not fulfill him. In fact, at the end of Solomon's life, if you go back and read it, it didn't end well for Solomon. It's very, very sad and tragic. But throughout Ecclesiastes, several times he said, enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy going on vacation or buying a nice car. Do those things, right? But we have to go to God first. What Jesus is going to go on in, in, in the, later on in the book of Matthew is say, is he's going to say, what does, it, what does it gain for a person to get the entire world but lose the eternity? We have to remember that everything we're doing now is temporary. It will come to an end. 
So Jesus, in all of his wisdom, says, what, what good is it to gain the temporary and lose the eternal? It doesn't make any sense. But we're going to get back to that idea more and more and more as we go. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the state of the heart. Uh, when Pastor Mike spoke a couple of weeks ago, Mike Lee, he talked about the condition of the heart. Last week, we talked about the condition of the heart. So we talk about the condition of the heart, but the question is, how do we gauge the state of our heart, the health of our soul, if you will? How do we gauge that? Well, verse 21 is one of those rare scriptures that I highlight in my Bible. I don't highlight a lot. This is one. There are two different passages today in this second half of chapter 6 that I've highlighted, and this is one of them. It's a big one. It is one of those paramount scriptures in the Bible, verse 21 of chapter 6 of Matthew. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do we gauge the condition of our heart? We need to see where our treasure is. What that means is this. We have a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian, right? We have a lot of people who say, we love God. We have a lot of people who claim to be very, very good people, right? But what we can do is we can step back, and regardless of what we say, we can see where we put our time, we can see where we put our resources and our money, and we can see where we put our energy. And if we step back and look at those things objectively, where do we put our time, our money, our energy, that will tell, tell us where our allegiance really lies. That will tell us where our heart is, where our true love is. So let me ask you, when is the last time you took an inventory of your heart? When is the last time you looked at where does my time, money, and energy go? Oh man, it, it, all of it goes into my work. Maybe that's your first love. Well, all of it goes into maybe even something that's good, my spouse. Well, I'm glad that you love your spouse. I'm glad that you spend time and energy on your spouse. But first and foremost, these things have to be dedicated to God. So what is the state of our heart? What is the state of our heart? Now, where did things go wrong? Let's say, guys, that we step back and we realize that our heart is not in the position that it needs to be in. And all of us have done this, right? All of us have stepped back and said, whoa, wait a second, got to realign myself. It's interesting. Jesus tells us where we have gone wrong, where we get off track. Jesus informs us that the eye is the lamp of the body. What he's telling us is this. Our heart gets off track when we start looking at things that aren't of God. When we are fixated on things that are not of God. And here's the thing. Whatever we are taking in with our eyes and our ears and our minds will eventually shape how we live. It will shape how we treat people. It will even shape our desires and our wants. So Jesus is saying this, when we start to go down a dark and selfish path, it is because we have been looking at dark and selfish things. It's no wonder that we have such a, a problem in the United States with, with, with marriages and with relationships because we're so enamored with things that are evil. We are looking at things that are evil. And I'm being careful because some of your children are probably watching this with you right now. But we fixate our eyes on very evil things, and it's no wonder why we have the sexual problems that we have and the marital breakdown that we have in culture right now, because what we take in through the lamp of the body will dictate how we live our lives. And Jesus warns us of this. If we're constantly looking at dark things, 
The light that is in us will become dark, and he says it can become exceptionally dark, exceptionally dark. And so we need to be very, very careful. Guys, sin has an insatiable appetite. I'm kind of getting off my notes a little bit here. But if we are not careful, we can start down a path. I've told this story before about Ted Bundy. One, uh, James Dobson asked Ted Bundy, uh, I think it might have even been the night before he was executed. He asked him, he said, how did you go down the road? How did the road begin for you to murder 60 plus women? How did that happen? Ted Bundy said, it all started by looking at my dad's Playboy magazines. It's amazing. It started by something that was, of course, wrong, but not that wrong, right? It was bad, but not that bad. And it led to worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until it ended up in murder because the wages of sin is always death. So we have to be careful of what we take in through our eyes and our ears and through our minds. And so often in this church, we talk about balance. I talk about balance all the time because the Bible teaches a lot of balance. When it comes to idolatry, though, worship of anything other than God, there is no balance. There is no compartmentalizing. And Jesus makes this abundantly clear. When we claim to be followers of Christ, yet we live a life that pursues other things than Christ, we're claiming to have two masters. We're claiming to be able to serve two different things. And Jesus says there is no balance in that. It is absolutely impossible. And so what we do is when Jesus says that, that we can't serve God and money, a lot of us in here, maybe that's not, or not in here, but out there, a lot of us, money may not be our temptation. But we can take out the word money and we can replace whatever we want in that slot, the thing that we do focus too much time and energy on, and that becomes our master. And Jesus says, you just can't have two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other or vice versa. And so Jesus is saying you can only serve one, okay? So we have to ask ourselves, who are we serving? So at the end of this first section, right, we're about to get to the second part, we're going to have to step back and, and we're going to have to be honest. Guys, this is a really good time in our world right now to stop for a minute and just ask some hard questions. The first one is this, and this was an extremely pertinent question right now. Where do we run when life gets difficult? Where do we go for our answers? I'm going to be a jerk for a second because even though it's just televised, like, right, I can, I can still do that. Some of you need to pull away from the news for a little bit and you need to go to the Word of God. Some of you need to pull away from CNN and Fox who are just, they're, they're the ones steering you right now. And Jesus is probably telling some of you right now as you're listening to me, you need to stop letting the news steer you and you need to let the Word of God steer you. You need to let the Holy Spirit steer you. So we need to ask ourselves, in times like what we're in right now, where do we run? Who do we go to? What do we go to? What brings us comfort? So eventually we're going to get over this stuff that we're going through right now in the world. I remember going through 9-11. I remember going through the Y2K hysteria. And we got over it. And do you know what we ended up doing? We got comfortable again. So the second question is, who does the credit go to when things become good again? Good. Where does the credit go? Are we committed to and are we, are, are, and are we focused on God? Or do we put our time, money, and energy into something else? Okay? 
Next part. Let's really get uncomfortable for a second, okay? Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? I highlighted that one. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into a furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. Guys, I've been doing expository verse-by-verse teaching for 11 years. That's how long the church has existed, this church. And it is fascinating to me that as I've been going word-for-word, chapter-by-chapter through whole books of the Bible, it is amazing to me how the Bible always lands exactly where it needs to land. It is always perfect, and this is one of those moments But if we're being honest right now, you and I, and as I was going over this last night at 3 o'clock in the morning sitting over here, this is one of those parts of the Bible that hits a little too close to home, right? Especially right now. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, do not worry about your life. Now, let me go back because I didn't do it at the beginning of this sermon, and I'm so sorry that I forgot to do this. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Matthew, if you're unfamiliar with what's going on in this book of the Bible, Jesus started off in this chapter that we're reading right now, teaching his 12 closest friends. And then, of course, the crowd grew and grew and grew, as it often did when Jesus would teach. But let me tell you a little bit about those 12 that he was, he was teaching right here. When he looked at them and said, don't worry about your life. These were men that he sent out, as he said, Jesus said, as sheep among wolves, Right? to hostile areas. He sent them out two by two. He didn't send them with a bunch of money. He didn't send them with a bunch of extra clothes. He didn't send them with any health insurance policies or anything like that. He sent them out and he said, don't worry about your life because I got you. These are all men that were violently murdered except for two of the 10. But one of them committed suicide, Judas, and the other one was boiled alive and exiled, John. And these were men that he looked at and he said, I gotcha, I gotcha. So when we read this, not to worry about our life, here's what we do as Christians. We set back when times are good. Man, and maybe times have been good in the United States for a little too long. 
But we step back when times are good and we look at the Bible as Christians and we say, yes, Lord, we believe these words. Yes, Lord, I will follow you regardless. And then all of a sudden the bottom drops out, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden we start to get anxious and we run to Kroger and, you know, step over an old woman for some toilet paper, acting insane out there. And so in times like this, we often approach passages like this with a little bit of reluctancy because the application isn't always as easy as we think it is, is it? But the crux of our faith is this, the Christian faith is this, it is a trust in Jesus regardless of what is going on, regardless of the circumstances. Is that difficult? Heck yes. I think right now we're all finding out that this is difficult. But we also have to know that it is imperative. It is what we are called to do. So here's the thing. However it shakes down, Jesus said not to worry because he cares for us. This doesn't mean that we, we're not going to go through hard times. In fact, Jesus tells us, he ensures us that this life will have suffering in it. But what it means that if we trust in him, regardless of what happens in this world, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Now, this has to be looked at from a, a, a specific perspective. If we think that being okay means that everything's going to be okay in this world, that's not what that always means. We have to know because the Bible tells us that if we are Christians, we are migrants through this life. We're just passing through this life on to eternity. We're also promised several times in the New Testament that we may not live to be very old. So if someone passes away at a young age, God has all that under control. The Bible says every single step, every single day is ordered by God, and everyone has an appointed time to die. We're not promised longevity. But we are promised an eternity with God. We are promised that in the end for eternity, we will be okay if we will just trust in him. So can we make it any better by stressing out? Can we make it any better by worrying? Can we make it any better by getting on Facebook and posting all kinds of stuff and getting everyone riled up and scared? Does that make things better? Jesus says you cannot add one moment of your life by being paranoid. Man, I wish there's people in here right now. You guys would be cheering and applauding. Everyone would be standing and throwing bouquets of flowers up here. But that's the truth. We cannot add anything more to our life by hysteria, by panic, by doubt, and by fear. It's a resounding no. So this doesn't mean, though, that we're careless. Guys, if you're stocking up on groceries, that's okay. If you're, if you're making sure that you have enough in your savings account to get your mortgage for a while if you're out of work, that's fine doesn't mean that we're careless, but it challenges us to trust God on the deepest of levels. But here's the thing, guys. If it all goes away, if life never goes back to normal, do we still love God? Do we still put our trust in Him? I posted a scripture from Habakkuk earlier uh, uh, this week. If the fig tree never blooms, the olive crops fail. I still put my trust in God. Do we find ourselves in that kind of position? So how should we handle anxiety? I'll be the first to tell you, I, I used to have a, a, a big issue with anxiety. How do we handle that? Listen, all of us will be anxious and afraid at times. There's probably a lot of you right now. That doesn't make you an evil person. Let's talk about it, though. This doesn't make us evil. 
The Christian should respond, though, to fear. We should respond to anxiety by running to God. In a time when there is no peace, we got to run to the Prince of Peace. In a time when there is no comfort, we run to the Holy Spirit that brings us comfort. He is the comforter. So we go to Him in these times. How do we respond to anxiety? We pray. We talk to the Lord. We run to Him. Because God knows us better than we know us. Better than we know ourselves. And though we get scared, we are not to live in fear. We are not to live in anxiety. We are to live in Him. And perfect love casts out fear. So there is no fear in God. So we're to live in God because God's not afraid. God's not paranoid. God knew all this was going to take place. So we need to abide. We need to live in him. That's the answer to anxiety. So let me throw out some good scripture that kind of piggyback on that. Paul wrote this in Philippians. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Look at what that says. Stop worrying and start praying. Stop being paranoid and start depending on God. Give Him thanks. Petition. Talk to Him. And look what it says will happen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It passes all understanding. In a time right now when everyone is going nuts, There's a peace that the Christian can have that passes all understanding that is happening in the world around us. Another great scripture, Peter writes this. He says, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. We use that passage a lot. A lot of people use that passage. But I think we forget how powerful that is. Put your cares on him because he cares for us. He loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to give us peace and contentment and joy in everything we need, even in the worst times. But here's what a lot of us Christians do. When Jesus says the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, the Gentiles get anxious and nervous and paranoid and they get greedy and all these things. He says that. He's talking about the non-believers, The people that don't have a relationship with God, they're the ones that that are eagerly seeking these things and pursuing the things of the world. But, But here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be mean towards anyone who may watch this, but people that don't have a relationship with Christ, they do have every right to be worried right now. They have every right to be paranoid right now. Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're depending on the systems of the world. And the systems of the world fail. The systems of the world have never brought us peace. The only one that brings us peace is the Prince of Peace. And if you don't have a relationship with the Prince of Peace, yes, you should be scared. You should be paranoid. You should be nervous. But all of us that have a relationship with God, we should not be living in fear right now. We should have comfort. We should have peace. Because our submission to anxiety and fear draws a rebuke from Jesus. Go back to verse 30. Jesus isn't being a jerk when he calls us people of little faith. Imagine a father looking at his child saying, if you would just trust me, if you would just trust me. 
I was sitting here the other night praying, and a good friend of mine, Tyler, walks up to me. And he was telling me some, some different things he had written about, or uh, not written, but had read about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the Lord's Prayer last week, and one of the parts in the Lord's Prayer says, give us today our daily bread, which literally means give us what we need today. He gave a really interesting perspective on that scripture. I'd never heard it before, and I thought it was really, really interesting. He says, Corey, imagine that if there was a parent, and every single day this parent fed their child, right? Fed their child to, to make sure that they were nourished and healthy. And let's say every single day that child pulled a little bit of food off the plate and stuck it in their pocket, took it back to their room, and they built up a surplus, right? They built up all this excess food. One day the parent goes into the bedroom and looks at the pile of bread and food and all this different stuff that had been accumulated and says, well, why did you do this? And then the child looks at the parent and said, well, I didn't think that you would feed me. I know you fed me every single day of my life, but I'm not sure if you would feed me tomorrow. Imagine what that would do to the parent, the good father or the good mother that has given everything that their child has needed every single day of their life, and then one day to have their child look at them and say, I just wasn't convinced that you would do it again for me tomorrow. When we do not lean on God, when we do not trust Him for our needs, when we do not trust Him to take care of us in times of trouble, God looks at us like the good Father that He is, and He says, why would you not think that I wouldn't provide for you? Why would you not think that I would take care of you? Little faith, little faith. And that's not how we're called to live by God. So what it boils down to is a question of citizenship. Listen, I'm a citizen of the United States, of course, but my greater allegiance lies to the kingdom of God. So we have to ask ourselves, which kingdom do we depend on for the greatest needs in our life? Well, Jesus reminds us. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first His righteousness, and everything you need will be provided for you. So that means in times of uncertainty, in chaos, even in times of absolute devastation, we're to be looking to a greater kingdom than any kingdom that exists on this world. And so if our eyes are on God, regardless of what happens, regardless of how it shakes down, we're going to be okay in the end because we'll be with our Father. We have to remember that. What is the citizenship that we really promote? What is the kingdom that we go to in times of trouble? And then Jesus says something again that really kind of hits to the core of us right now. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. This is now the third time that Jesus tells us and warns us not to let anxiety run our lives. Now that doesn't mean, guys, if you're watching this, it doesn't mean that it's wrong to have a savings account. I hope you have a savings account doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to have health insurance. That, none of that is wrong. But what Jesus is telling us is he's saying, live in the present. Live in the now. That we can get so worried about what's going to happen later that we miss what's happening now. There's so many of us, right? We'll go on a vacation with our kids and we're so worried about getting the perfect picture so we can look at it later that we miss the fact that the Grand Canyon is right in front of us. We're so busy trying to get the perfect selfie that we miss that the aurora borealis is shining in the background. We sacrifice the present. Jesus says don't sacrifice the present. Today God will give us what we need. And you know what? He'll do it tomorrow as well. 
but it all boils down to trusting God. Do we trust God? I don't know if any point during this that you sat back and said, I can't believe that we were covering this chapter this week. It's fascinating. It couldn't have happened at a better time. We find ourselves in a time that challenges us. Listen, I'll tell you a good thing that's going to come out of this whole thing. We're going to realize what we're made out of. We're going to realize, I hope, I know that I am starting to, and I hope that a lot of you are as well. We're going to look at ourselves and say, man, I had some things out of whack. My character's not, it wasn't what I thought it was. My priorities were not what they should have been. In a time like this, I think God uses us to hopefully reset us back to what we should be. So let's be honest right now. Where's your heart? Where's your priority? Where's your trust? Where's your faith? Where is our heart right now as we're listening to the word of God in this situation right now that we're in? How are we doing? Listen, I'm going to tell you, we're not promised ease. Nowhere in that book does it promise us that this is going to be easy, nor does it promise us it's going to be comfortable, nor does it promise us that we're going to live to be old. But we are promised that Jesus is with us. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven is he looked down at his followers and said, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's with us right now if we believe in him and trust him. And we're going to be with him for eternity in heaven. Okay? Jesus' main point in what we've talked about today is extremely simple. It is exceptionally simple. And it is, it is this. Trust in, in God above all else. Trust in God above all else. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't listen to the CDC. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't listen to our president. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't listen to, to uh, be informed about the news. But above all those things, we have to trust God. That is the point today. Do we trust God regardless of how things look right now and in the future? Do we trust him? And if we're being honest today, which I hope we always are, trusting in God can be difficult because there's a lot of scared voices out there. There's a lot of confused systems out there. That's why I, I tell you, you need to maybe distance yourself from all the paranoia a little bit. You need to distance yourself. Hey, listen, if you're home with your family right now, turn off Fox News, turn off CNN, bring up some old Disney movies, right? Watch something fun with your kids. Use this time. There's no sports going on. There's no, a lot of stuff going on. Take this time to be with your family. Take this time to maybe invite some friends over, 10 or less, right? Invite some friends over. Have a cup of coffee. Talk. Read the scripture together. Pray together. Just laugh together. Do these things Separate yourself from all the scared voices and confused systems. It's hard to trust because we keep looking at them. But Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And regardless of what happens, I'm going to tell you this. Regardless if the United States falls apart, regardless if all the nations of the world fall apart, the kingdom of God will never fall apart. It will always be intact. Always. So we are to seek first the kingdom of God. 
We're going to be extremely practical today. Listen, if you've been at our church for a long time, you're going to hear nothing new in this last slide. I say it all the time because the Word alludes to it all the time. So I'm not going to teach you anything new today, but I want to remind us because I think it's a good time to get back to the basics, to the core of what the church should be doing. The first thing that all of us need to be doing in this room is seeking first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? How do we do it? The first thing is, is you have to be praying. When I say praying, speak to him, guys. Write out a list. Use our PRAY acronym that I talked about last week. Praise God first. Repent for your sins. Another, which means pray for another person besides yourself. And then pray for yourself. Write it out. we got a lot of time right now. Use it wisely. Let's seek first the kingdom of God by praying. Pray for your your country, pray for your president, pray for your mayor, pray for the church, pray for the elderly, pray for the young. We can pray for everyone right now. Everyone needs prayer. We need to be praying. We seek first the kingdom of God by praying. The second way we seek the kingdom of God is we read the Bible and we believe the Bible. When the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in all things pray, we need to not only read those words, we need to do those words. We need to believe those words. Listen, I have, I have found it so wonderful sitting in here late at night. And don't get me wrong, I am dog tired at 2.30 in the morning. But just going through the scripture and seeing things that are so pertinent and so alive and so relevant. And there's so much comfort. Man, when you read through the Old Testament, they went through a lot of awful things. And they made it through. They made it through because God is good. We need to be reading the Word of God. We need to be believing the Word of God. The next way that we can seek the kingdom of God first is we need to be practicing trust and practicing obedience of Christ's commands. What does that mean? That means that if we're praying, if we're reading the Word of God, we need to go out and put those things into action. Our biggest problem with the Bible is not the theological side of it. It's the obedience side of it. If the Bible says, go out and love your neighbor, we're like, well, what Greek version of love is that between the four? No, just go out and love people. I'm glad that there's four different versions and we can look at that and we can see the differences there. That's fine, but we just need to be obedient and go out and love. Go out. When the Bible says forgive, we just need to be obedient and go out and forgive. Well, what about this, 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 and this? No, no, no. Just practice trust and practice obedience. Go out and apply those commands. And then the last thing is this. We need to be still. We're being forced to be still, aren't we? And I know that that's nations and governments and systems that are telling us to kind of stop. But maybe that's God's way of getting us all to stop and to be still. King David wrote in the book of Psalms, he said, be still and know that he's God. I've been saying for years and years and years that we need to slow down. And maybe God is saying to the world, it's time to slow down. Be still. God has always been on the throne. He still is on the throne. And maybe this is a good way to get our attention so we can be still. We can meditate on him. We can think on him. We can seek his kingdom first.